ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. Welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name is Jake, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by Sambo. How the bloody hell are ya? I'm good. Very good. How are you? You're, you're, you're smiling already. What's what's tickled you? <laughs> um, multiple things. I've just a couple of hours ago had a tooth filling at the old ye olde dentist. The ye olde uh. tooth doctor. And um, they have the, the anesthetic when they give it to me does uh. not. They need to give me kind of like double a normal dose. You know, there's many theories around it. Uh, apparently, one of them being that I'm, you know, like got that ginger gene. Um, and yeah, so they have to give me a double dose. But the problem is once it actually starts working, it lingers around for ages. So half of my mouth and face still feel totally numb. So it's a bizarre feeling. Uh, and the other thing is just on on the intro, I said, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, and I amused myself with the everybody. Um, that's it. <laughs> no, no greater humor than that. <laughs> Just a bit of, a bit of tremolo on the, on the, uh, the that's right. um, A little bit of that. Yeah. I remember, I remember your first guitar amp uh, having the All of the Broken Dreams setting. with the tremolo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the old the spider six amp road oh nostalgia flooding back memories <laughs> memories simpler time uh, good stuff it was a simpler time uh top albums from that era let's just quickly it is obviously we're doing cats v power week 21 recap a lot to get to but you know that early 2000s give me your three faves mm. what was what was in heavy rotation Shit. for you <clears throat> hard because during the early 2000s was when i was an edgelord that only listened to 90s stuff so it's i, I find it <laughs> i find it hard to date albums from that era because I'm, I'm more fond of them now than i was at the time so it's like it's hard it's mm. hard to figure out exactly when things came out but i'd have to go uh lincoln park hybrid theory that'd be around about then right like it yeah uh something by audio slave they would have had something out maybe their self-titled album might have been around then um oh another one um i'm trying to think what, yeah, what hybrid they, theory uh, was exactly year 2000 in the year 2000 um oh shit well it'd have to be i'd have to get in like silver chair or um or afi mm. afi is definitely uh in, in 2000 would that be Again, just the, the self-titled AFI album, or would that be would be December Underground would have been after that. Uh, <laughs> just, something by AFI. I don't know, Let's speaking... go with that. All right, I, I, I what like about you. I like that. I, I, oh God! Uh, well, like early you asked the right question. Surely you're ready. Surely you're ready for this. <laughs> yeah, surely it was because I had an answer that I wanted to give, and so I needed to ask you the question. Um, in order Sing to the sorrow. Sing the sorrow. Um, that's, yeah, that's the AFI album from 2003. Whack that one in there. Nice. Would love for people to tweet at, at us with what you were listening to in the early 2000s because I know that's one of the great things. Not only like sport is one of those things that a lot of people are into, and we know anyone listening to this podcast is into sport, but the other great like transcender is, is music. Everybody loves music now whether you all love the same stuff but everyone everyone's generally you know got a tune that they they like to jingle 
um, Jangle too. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> early two thousands for me. Yeah, I'm gonna say too soon. Uh, I'm gonna say <laughs> probably Green Day, American Idiot would have been mm-hmm. heavy, heavy rotation. Um, heavy God, what else? Heavy rotes indeed. Uh, Evanescence would have got a, a fair, oh, yeah. fair old. Um, yeah, rattle around the old CD player. I'm trying to think what else. Evanescence, Green Day. I did. Then it was a bit of a rotation. Listen to a bit of like a little bit of everything. You know, what? Let, let's 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 put some some weird two two weird ones maybe, or one. I'll, I'll go Cat Stevens. Let's go Cat Stevens. And oh. I can't remember what the title of the album was, but. Obviously not I, a released in the early two thousands, but there was like a Cat Stevens best of or was, something. It was just, I, yeah. Well, I what, what was it? Because it wasn't just the best of, was it? It was something. It was something whimsical, some sort of title about the best of. Evanescence, yeah. the album you're thinking of from Evanescence, yeah, Moon Fallen, Fallen from two thousand and three. Fallen, yeah, have to be. Great stuff. Tourniquet, Going yeah. Under. I mean, Going Under's like a, an all time banger, but there were underrated bangers on that track, like Tourniquet, Tourniquet, Tourniquet um that still still ring true as epic underrated remember so, cat stevens yeah. that's the album thank remember you cat remember cat i do remember cat stevens i've been dancing on a moon shadow that's more on that moon in there on the Walking. on the moon yeah yeah been a while um, been a while Matt, Matt, uh, well, I can answer for Johnny. I reckon. I reckon if Johnny was here, he's very all right. Yeah, you have a some, you have something, something by Birdie. Um, remember that Aussie band Birdie? Oh, Little Birdie, oh, Little Birdie. That's the one. Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yep, yep, definitely. Um, Offspring. Oh, he had a he had a White Snake album that he like <laughs> <laughs> that I reckon would have got heavy rotation. Did he? Um. Yeah, he definitely did because it was the first time I had heard White Snake when John was slamming it into his CD player in like 2004. Oh, so there White we go. We got, we got some whatever the whatever the appropriate White Snake album would be. We've got um, <laughs> of them. Big Big Love by Little Birdie, uh, and yep. we've got and we've got whatever the Offspring's biggest album was. Again, I think that might be self-titled as well. Yeah. Well, everyone had the whole it. keep them separated song, you know? <laughs> Oh, we went there. We both got there. Um, Vivid memories of, of, so, uh, of Johnny's lounge room with the uh, offspring blaring. This has been another Conspiracy of One. Of... Sorry. Conspiracy of One. That's oh, the album. Love oh. it. Memory lane that no one gives a shit about right now. <laughs> but we're having a grand old That's... time. This has been uh, Naughty's flashback with JB and Sambo. Listen in next week when we go full deep dive on Avril Lavigne's back catalogue. Um, we've got footy to get to. We've got plenty of footy to get to, Does but a music a podcast as well at some point. <laughs> Must be. <us. laughs> Good question. What is Avril Lavigne doing actually, these actually days? She does. She's, um, she toured with bloody Machine Gun Kelly not that long ago. <laughs> I think this is the next podcast. <laughs> I, I, check, I reckon. Check, well, check, welfare check on Avril Lavigne. Yeah. Chaps chat 
Tunes, spelt C H U N E S. Um, all right, <laughs> let's Is that what the kids it. are doing these days? That's Head right, down to tunes. the club to pass uh, around some tunes. Let's get into it. The AFL men's cats v power. Uh, week 21 recap. We're also going to do the month in review for Patreon subscribers at the end of this show. Going to look back at the last four games, give our thoughts on I knew that and was a month. <laughs> Absolutely done the appropriate homework. Um, so yeah, if you want to hear that part of the show, go on over to Patreon, subscribe $3.50 US per month. Um, and in future, you may get access to Chaps Chat Tunes as well. Uh, so the cats, we're going to start with this. The AFL men's cats team claim a gutsy win. Now, as I was, you know, oscillating between gutsy win or rousing win, stirring victory, wasn't sure, but it was probably all three. Um, well, according to the media, mass- win what don't mean shit. <laughs> or according to Twitter, cats uh, and umpires defeat valiant Port Adelaide team. Um, it's uh, Geelong. It, it was a seesawing contest. I said to Jack, um, Jack Johnson for the Marks Up podcast, um, who watched the game with me on the couch. He said, "Oh, I said to him, I said this would be a great game from the perspective of a neutral." And in fairness to Jacko, the Cats are probably his second or third favourite team. He has cheered for them as we have cheered for the Dogs um, when the Cats haven't been playing, and. A seesawing encounter, Sambo. Geelong kicks seven goals, two, 44 to Ports, 5-1-31 in the first quarter. It was an absolute end-to-end barn burner. Quieter stuff uh, for the Cats the next two quarters. They put together just three goals across quarters two and three as Port Adelaide added five. The score at three-quarter time, the Cats 10-9-69. Noish. To ten eight sixty eight, um, set up for a monumental finish. Season essentially on the line for the Cats. You couldn't afford to lose three in a row uh, and, and have any hope of maintaining any shred of control over your finals destiny. Port Adelaide hit the front early in that quarter with a goal to Todd Marshall after just one minute, 43 seconds. They followed that up with a flurry of three behinds before the Cats took over the game. Jeremy Cameron bagged his second goal of the night. He had a behind just after that. Mitch Duncan gold. Um, Brian Myers gold at 21-minute mark. Brad Close gold at the 24-and-a-half-minute mark. And although Sam Palpepper notched his third goal of the evening, if you like Sam Palpepper, may I sell you some Ted Closey stock, uh, Stonk, um, the Cats run out victors, 14-13-97 to 12-13-85. That's sort of the recap of events. But Sambo, what were your feelings about it? How'd you feel watching it? How'd you, yeah, just general takeaways. <clears throat> My biggest takeaway was that Port really need to hit the recruitment drive hard. Because um, as my partner pointed out while we are watching the game, they have a pepper and a butter, but they haven't got a salt yet. So they're really going to have to uh, <laughs> just going to have to try and collect the full set of uh, of uh, you know your your table dressings for what you you might need for your average Yorkshire stew. They've got to set the table for the premiership window. You know? That's right. Yeah, 
yeah. So you know, a little disappointed on that on that front, but uh, they've got you know maybe next year. Um, look, <laughs> I was next year. I, I was I was really happy with this. I, can I can I say I've, I'm I like when we're the underdogs. I like when the media doesn't get around us too much. But I have been a little surprised with the narrative around it. Um, I thought it was a pretty impressive win, like a gutsy win. I think had we come out and obliterated Port, uh, depleted Port, um, uh, I don't think we, I would, it sounds strange, but I don't think I would be as encouraged by what I've seen. The narrative yeah. seems to be the opposite, that, oh my God, a direct co- quote from Kane Corns is that it was a par performance from Geelong <laughs> and you would really expect them to <laughs> win. You know, by a bit of fat pizza there or something. It's definitely like got into some sort of impression. <laughs> No, Jake. Oh just, God. just, just losing, losing myself in the indignation at the treatment yes. of this cat's performance. So, Kane Corns <laughs> said it was a par performance, and you would hope, with the outs that Paul had, you would have hoped that the cats would have beaten them by about ten goals, not twelve points. That's oh, a direct one, quote. Kano. Not sensationalizing anything at all. Just absolutely even-handed analytical stuff there. Um. <laughs> And, and I just come I, to expect from Cancorns. Yes, I just felt the opposite. I thought that Port turned up; they did their best with oh, yeah. with some significant outs, and that we had to get a really gutsy win. We had to really um, fight for it. You know what I mean? We weren't; they weren't mm. just going to let us walk away with it. They weren't going to let us have that game. And I thought they played very well considering their outs. But you know who else played well considering their outs? The other team that was there, <laughs> Geelong. Um, mm. like there's been, there's been literally in the, in the post game, um, coverage, they were Brad Johnson and Eddie Betts were, um, just, just waffling on about all of Port's outs and how happy Port would be to have come that close, rah, rah, rah. Um, and, and then they had to sort of bring it around and go, oh, all the Geelong fans will be, be wondering, uh, you know, like, why aren't you talking about Geelong? And then they literally went, oh, yeah, and rightfully so, and then cut to an ad break. Like, they, they basically said nothing about <laughs> Geelong and didn't didn't mention our outs. Kane Corns didn't mention our outs. Now, I don't want to waffle on about outs either and go, oh, poor us. But we're missing Tom Hawkins, legend of the club, All-Australian, um, and mm. gen- generally our biggest goal scorer. And we're missing our dual club best and fairest from last year. Like, it's pretty significant. There's a pretty significant trio of players out there. Um, so I thought that, I thought it was really gutsy. I thought there's stuff to work on. I thought we didn't do it consistently, maybe across the whole game, let Port in a couple of times when we shouldn't have let them in, etc. cetera. Um, but I thought, I thought we were really impressive. I thought, strangely enough, if anything, I thought our back line was probably a little off compared to how we have been. Um, there was a couple of those easy, easy kind of chip, chip it around. I oh, know, hang our heads because they got a mark and miss the fact that they get another chip kick and move it ten meters closer to goal. That felt a little bit twenty twenty one to me, um, and I, you know, I think maybe we can get into that. We can get into why maybe the defense looked that way, but I thought the midfield acquitted themselves very well. I thought our pressure game was pretty good, uh, and I thought our depleted forward line um also worked pretty darn efficiently when we when we were you know when we were singing and we could get it up there 
Um, you know, I thought it was a good game. I was thoroughly entertained. Honestly, I was just happy to be involved in a good game of football because it feels like it's been about three weeks, three or four weeks since I came away from a game going, that was good and fun to watch regardless of result. Absolutely. No, I, I There's really a lot for you to chew on there. <laughs> Have that that's all, that's all right. I, I, Would you like I, some I think... salt or pepper with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Port can offer me pepper, but I don't know if they can offer me salt. No, That's salt. the real question. Um, Defense no. game. And, and look, pepper. <laughs> pepper. Oh, he's brought it home. He's brought it around. <laughs> salt is really what the fans picked up on the way. Um, just a little theory too, though, about Brad Johnson, maybe uh, 2008, 2009, um, 2008, lost a prelim final to the Cats. 2009, lost a qualifying final um, to the Cats. So, you know, maybe some bitter memories, some bitter pills there. Some um, brain cells the way. Bradley Johnson um, to to deal with there. So uh, let's face it, the, the story is always going to be Geelong, even under man, are expected to win. And you know what? It's not a bad, bloody place to be. It's true. We're a really good bloody club and i'll see if i can fit bloody in a third time <laughs> this is an australian podcast damn it yeah bloody 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 um it's 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 a great position to be in and i was saying this on uh twitter i can't remember if it was after the frio loss or if it was after the the win over um port but you know it's been a frustrating season at times, but this has been one of the most satisfying seasons simultaneously for me. Watching both VFL and AFL and just the whole picture, you really see what is being grown for the future and wins like that against Port where you defend your home turf. And I think that is a big deal. Um, I don't think, I think it's good to establish a culture whereby you are you know, winning your home games all the time um, was massive. To have a win like that, to have a win like that over Melbourne as well, if you go back and think about those two victories in and of themselves, the players you were missing in those spots against really strong teams. It's been a massive year, but specifically about this match, I totally agree with you that, you know, the point you sort of started with saying, if we'd gone out and obliterated Port, of, of course, you'd have felt good about it, but there was something about seeing the fact that, okay, Port may also be missing players, but they are not greatly diminished. They too are a deep squad of players. They too have a vast array of contributors who can get the job done. They came out and played really well. We came out and played really well. It was a humdinger of a game and we came out on top. It's just really positive, I guess. And it's strange to me that people we've talked about it ad nauseum on the pod. Like it's just narrative building. People want to build these narratives about Geelong and, and it's hilarious when you compare them across the course of the season. Um, I, I think when you compare how like journalists and analysts on things like Fox Woody and stuff, just go up and down week to week, month to month with their opinions on teams, compare that with how Chris Scott sort of is, um, you know, week in, week out, how he's just the the model of consistency. He's just always saying 
the same things. It's the same mm. message all the time. If we win, it's like, yeah, well, that's how kind of we expect things to go if we stick to our plans and processes and everyone executes what they want. And if we lose, it's, yeah, we're a little bit off in a couple of areas and it makes it hard to, like, it's evenly killed. You can see why the media sometimes find him sort of frustrating because mm. they want him to blow up at the players. Don't you think you should just rip into them at halftime? And it shouldn't be any surprise to any of us that a consistent coach has built such a consistent team. And it was a super impressive win. I have no idea if we end up making finals, if we can make a push for the flag, if people get healthy at the right time, all those sorts of things. I don't know how the story ends, but I've been really impressed and satisfied with a lot of things this year. I don't think it's a wasted year or a lost year by any stretch of the imagination. And it was a hell of a result. Um, mm. This was a team too. If you, if you think back to the first time we played them over in Adelaide Oval, they smashed us, you know, in things like contested possession. They smashed us in things like clearances. And although we lost clearances, we beat them in contested possession. I think they had less than 100 contested possessions for the game. Um, so there, there were a lot of areas to like. Did you have anything sort of specific that you wanted to like dive into from, you know, a, a positional grouping or how different things played out? The fourth quarter response, um, Brian Myers obviously having a, a, a just a stupid game, two goals himself and then five assists. Yeah, I mean, Grind, I'm, like. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, a a bit of a swing and guess that we'll talk about Grind when it comes to votes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I maybe won't linger yeah, on him too long. Right. Um, but yeah, no. Look, I I thought the as the contested game and the and the pressure was um was maybe not quite where we needed to be, but compared to where it's mm. been at, I thought it was uh it was miles miles better. Interesting, we didn't have a lot of actual tackles for the game, but I mm. felt like our our off the ball just presence. And the pressure was much closer to what I wanted it to be. Um, that it, mm -hmm. it did often give this sense of pressure, that that perceived pressure. I think we were able to build. Yeah. With the tackles that we did lay, I think I'm trying to scroll through. I think we were down on our season average for tackles. Um. Yeah, I think we had 45 yeah, or something. Yeah, 45, and our average is 60. Um. So we we're actually down, but I just <laughs> felt like the the general off ball movement, our coverage, um, was closer to where we wanted it to be um, in parts of the game, not for the full portion of the game. There were some times there where you just felt like they could move it just a little too easily. Um, and I think it can't be underrated how much that has to do with blicks and the, you know, the pieces we're having to move. Um, mm. I'd like to talk about big Sav because he is not in my votes. Um, and so I won't okay. talk about him, I suppose. Um, but I thought, and it just relates to the structure, I guess. I thought he acquitted himself really well. I thought he was really impressive as an, an, mm. an individual performer. I thought, you know, his contract being up and Port being interested in him, you know, pretty openly, uh, according to the media and some some other sort of, you know, options. I thought... I thought it was one of his best games. I thought he acquitted himself really well and, and represented himself as mm. a player with a lot of potential. But I, yeah. I do still feel like 
the dynamic sh- shifts in our backline when he's in there, and it's not as solid. I think he can do some great, desperate goal-saving stuff, but as a unit mm. and as a as a consistent machine, the backline just doesn't operate as well. And I'm not a hundred percent clear on what that is. What other pieces move around to put him in there? Because we know he was the one that came in and he wasn't just in for Blixarps. He wasn't just playing Blixarps role. No. If anything, once again, I feel like he plays the Tom Stewart or the Sam DeConing role and Tom Stewart seems to float a bit more, float up higher, possibly even playing some of the parts that Blixarps would play. You know, Tom Stewart was often coming in to intercept mm. a re- be just beyond the the center square rather than intercept yeah. mark he was actually the one spoiling and trying to lay a bit of pressure around sort of between our defensive 50 and the and the center so mm. and i feel like that's that's sort of blixar's domain so i feel like it's not just take out a player put in another player whenever radical is in there it feels like two or three other players end up doing different things to accommodate him being in there as, you know, to play to his strengths, which I think he did really well. Like, I think he had he had 100% disposal efficiency. I think only, you know, 10, 9 or 10 disposals. Um, so I think mm. his kicking was up. Um, I think he... Um, yeah, how do you feel? Like, I feel like he, play, he played well, but I just don't feel like the... Yeah the back line operated at the efficiency, just that kind of like brick wall, nothing's getting mm. in here kind of level that, that I think we have played at even in the last couple of losses. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's always hard. You know, you just, you're trying to like comment on what you see in games and, and so often you don't know, you know, we're not there watching training and all those things, but then, you know, at other times you sort of find out after the fact that, oh, I had these thoughts and feelings about a, you know, player or a situation at the time. And then later I found out my my gut check about it, my my gut feeling, my vibe was correct. And, you know, I messaged you halfway, through, I think it was about halfway through the game and said, Tom Stewart, as pissed off as I've seen him all month. And here we are in another game, which we mentioned earlier in the season, you know, it feels like the back line is is balanced in a different way when you've got Stewie, DeConing, Henry, Guthrie, you know, and Rat, as opposed to when Rat's not in. And it's a really tricky one because you can look at it and there was a lot of talk uh, about, you know, Big Rat being one of the best players. And I think he was one of the best individual contributors. Um, I thought we worked things out a little more in the second half. Mm-hmm. I thought they really gave Stewie more of a license to really push up for to kill. I mean, to- like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like, really was like, okay, you can go, like, you can push as far forward as you like. You don't have to sort of stay. And and, and that just there was a couple of moments that stood out where he ended up in the front half, you know doing those little that moment where he just came through like a freight train and managed to tap the ball on you know and it did lead to a a score for the cats um 
because uh, I jokingly said it reminded me a little bit of the Matthew Scarlett toe poke thing where a defender just makes the call, I, I'm going up and I'm going to mm. try and influence the play. I think that's what you have to do. I don't think – I think if, if Rat's in the side, then you, you want to go, all right, well, Stewie has this extra skill set where he can play in other parts of the ground. Let's liberate him to do that. Because it really does seem to me that there's this dysfunction that happens when they're all back there together. Um, and I think you, you've only sort of got to look at the way that the back line has been so miserly, even in games where we've been sort of overrun in terms of possessions and clearances. Look at the Brisbane game. Look at the Frio game. And you're only giving away, you know, 60-odd points against Brisbane in Brisbane and then 70-odd points um, to the Dockers. You know, scores that. We should be winning those games, you yeah. know. Um, we'll, we'll get to it in the in in the um, the month in review podcast uh, for the Patreon subscribers. But you look at the scores that we've given up this month: forty five against the Bombers, sixty four against the Lions, seventy one against the Dockers, eighty five against the Power, and that yeah. was twenty five scoring shots. The, the scoring shot totals we'd given up were 10 scoring shots, 19 scoring shots, 21 scoring shots, 25 scoring shots against the power. So mm. this game against Port Adelaide, I, I totally agree with you. I think the numbers kind of back back up what you're saying. It probably wasn't the back line's best night. There was a little bit of imbalance or overbalance or something going on there um, in the game. And I think they figured it out a little more in the second half um, you know, liberating Stewie uh, to to move forward a little bit. Also, Jack Henry, you know, was subbed out and you're able to bring on Brandon Parfit, who is someone I really want to talk about. Parfit mm. last weekend against the Bullants had 40 touches and a goal, six clearances. And I was really hoping he'd get in. I don't know, I don't know about you. I was really impressed with his with his limited action. I thought he came in and gave us an immediate, tough, contested spark um, right when we needed it, right when Atkins and Danger and others, like I know Danger got a lot of um, sort of feed, positive feedback about his game and he deserved it. But I really thought Parfit was an underrated part of the lift that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he only spent, on that? he spent less than a quarter of the game, uh, it was 20, 24% of the game. That he was actually out there for. Um, so when you factor in mm. that, you know, he's not on the ball for that whole time, you know, that's you've got to wait for the for it to come into your area. And he um he had eight disposals and, and laid a tackle. All I by think hand. That's, yeah, I think I think that's pretty good. I think I really liked him moving it by hand, actually. Like I think mm. sometimes when we've seen him earlier this year, uh, and even last year to be fair, he had that air of him where he needed to do more because he was trying to prove himself. He'd yeah. get the ball and he would whack it on the boot, trying to gain some meters and, and do something really impressive and incredible. And it and, you know, it would end up in a, in a contest at best, if not just a turnover. Um, so I think I, I really liked his, um, as Johnny would say, the lowering of the eyes. I think he narrowed his vision to like, as far as um, proximity, he really brought his radar mm. in and just made sure to choose that first most sensible option every time he got it. And yeah, I agree. I think I'd like to see him out there more. I'd like to see him with more time on the ground. Um, it's going to be interesting mm. because 
if you go by the the estimates from you know a couple of months ago a month or two ago um cam guthrie should be not far away he should be coming back into the side over the next two weeks um now we haven't heard a lot so well i haven't um so i'm assuming i'm kind of feeling like that either he's just gonna drop in there at some point and they're just keeping under wraps or it's maybe one of those things that's just it's just continually been oh maybe Mm. maybe six weeks then six weeks go by you go oh maybe another two weeks and then those two weeks go by and you go actually he's not he's not run that well we'll we'll give him another two weeks um so if he does come in i think that obviously hurts brandon parfitt's chance to um to get out there and get a lot more game time but i would i would like to see him out there and i'd love to see him as more than the sub i think it's really hard to come in for a quarter or a half of football yeah. and really rep- represent yourself well um i think what to their credit and to his credit and probably because he's such a fan of Radigalia chris scott mm. seems to put him in there in the in the starting lineup on the field at the, at the first bounce whenever he can like he doesn't mm. if there's a if there's a whiff of rat being in the side he's he's moved beyond the point of being the the sub um and so i think he's been yeah. able to build a bit more game time and and um and sort of yeah represent himself a little bit better so i'd like i really like after seeing what parfit did we were asking the questions a couple of weeks ago and i think I'd be really keen to, you know, if it comes down to even, say, Mullen being a starter or Parfit, I think I'm at this point still keen for Parfit to be the one to get another chance. Yeah, 100% agree. I think if I looked at the mids right now um, and I talked about this, I did a VFL recap for the Patreon subscribers. So it was a, w- a week later, it was a week after the game was actually played, but it was kind of cool reflecting. I watched the game and then reflected on the performances and was able to sort of talk about Parfit's game in tandem with his VFL performance. I also did a VFLW recap. Um, so if you want to listen to that, you can go subscribe to the Patreon. But in it, I sort of talked about something I love about this. I mean, about Geelong the last 15 years is you have to grind and grind and grind to earn yourself a spot. Geelong in general are not going to manufacture you an opportunity. You have to put in the effort until one organically presents itself, whether that's through injury or someone else losing form before Geelong will put you in. And I actually think it's the perfect thing. I know it's frustrating for fans at times, but you should have to absolutely hammer the door down you shouldn't just get to turn up and be like well you know i'm i'm, I'm the future so you should just play me parfit kicked a goal had 40 disposals um he'd had a few you know decent games in a row i i thought displaying the sort of parfit things that you want to see hard contested footy getting the ball into the hands of of you know the outside midfielders just being generally gritty pressure-minded midfielder and he earned his way back into the team. I would have him rated right now uh, probably on par maybe with Nevitt as next midfielder to come in. They're very different though. Uh, like I still see Nevitt's best assets being getting the ball to him on the outside, his overhead marking ability, um, 
you know, those sorts of things. Though he's lifted his pressure game as well. I was, I was saying this um, in that VFL episode that he had nine tackles in four VFL games to start the season and he's had 52 in his last seven. So he's gone, he's gone from averaging like two tackles a game to averaging, I think it's seven or something, uh, seven plus in his last seven matches. So he's becoming a complete player, Nevitt, but I think Parfit is still right there with him in terms of the value they can offer. It's just in different ways. Ideally, you probably have, there could be a situation where you have both in the side. Um, but I just love that we can be patient. I love that we can take our time. I love that you have to really stack repeat performances. Like Menegola is playing as well as he's ever played and he can't get in the team. His best is currently not in our best and there's probably three or four players ahead of him. So it it is a nice spot to be in for the Cats. Um, I think it also, I, it also I, speaks to how yeah, keen they are to get Tom Stewart into the midfield that we lose, yes. you know, ostens- ostensibly a midfielder and we bring in a defender, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and push and to push Tom Stewart up. And as you say, as the game wears on, he actually moves further further up, seems to have more of a mm. more um, rope to 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 extend. Um, because you would think losing Blixars, you would think the, yeah, there would be on paper more logical um, options. But the fact that they actually reshuffle the the back line mm. um, and and move Tom Stewart again, probably our best defender, move him out of defence, mm. um, just speaks to how much they want to get. They seem to want to get him on ball. Yeah, and and there's no doubt too. Like, it's just a fascinating year, I guess. You know, like with all these different puzzle pieces they're trying to find their best side the best way to deploy their assets kind of thing especially when yeah. you've got a game coming up against collingwood um what did you think about ollie henry's performance Let, led the team for goals um yeah what 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 are you sort of where were you at with ollie henry on the um, six marks four goals 13 disposals yeah, I thought I thought he he's been performing such that I wasn't blown away by it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I was yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was satisfied with what he brought, but it was sort of what I expected him to bring. Um, but at the start of the year, what's your what you're saying? You'd snap your arm off if you told me that Ollie Henry would have stats like Watch this. Off. <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I like yeah, I, I I would be ecstatic. But I think he's been building such a yeah. repertoire such a catalogue of performances, of really solid performances that I think um, uh, this is kind of what I was hoping and expecting from him. Um, I guess the, mm. the caveat is that you would hope he would be doing this week to week, um, but you would also hope that you'd have Jeremy Cameron with six and Tom Hawkins with four or five. Do <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> know what I mean? Like, like I think I think it was a really good performance from from Henry. I don't know if it was... I guess I'm getting really, really cynical here. I don't know if it was like a lone, tall, key forward performance. I guess it was more of what I, I would like him to bring as an auxiliary to Cameron and Hawkins, yes. but we had no Hawkins and, and Cameron still isn't firing 100%. So um, 
I didn't necessarily feel like, oh, I'm looking at the future Hawkins. Oh, definitely, definitely the yeah. future, the future key forward. But um, but thank God we've got him. Thank Christ he's in there because um, if we hadn't brought him down the road and Hawkins is out and Cameron's performing the way he is, um, we would be putting up scores of about twenty five. <laughs> so well, yeah, like. It, uh- Jacko made an interesting point while we were watching because I said, you know, I feel like Ollie, I don't think he's really ever going to be in a position, in my opinion, to be like the number one forward. Might not even be like the number two necessarily, mm. but but that's okay because you need a lot of different forwards. You need a three, you need a four. And I think that's where he can sort of be. He can float in that third or fourth forward sort of range for the Cats and occasionally have these performances where it's, it's more match winning stuff. It's like, okay, the other two are locked down so I can get loose and I can kick four goals. He's kicked, had 10 games this year where he's kicked two goals um, and another two where he's kicked four. He's only been goalless one time this season. Mm. He's only been held scoreless one time this season. That was against Gold Coast. Apart from that, he's, he's, he's gold in every game. So he's, he's been consistent. And, and yeah. Jacko made a comparison, which I know you'll probably recoil from, but I understand some of what he's talking about. He said, Ollie Henry's got that capacity to be that like Bailey Fritch. No, I knew that's what you were going to say. I know. <laughs> but I kind of get where <laughs> not, he's no, coming from. Not no from, as in I don't agree, in, just no as in don't speak that. Name. Yeah, <laughs> I, I totally understand it. Like he's not the biggest yeah. player. He's not a, a, like a small player. He's, he's sort of a medium forward who is really smart and seems to just have this habit of finding goals, um, which... Yeah, the, I, I would, I, the, the, only, the only distinction I would draw is I think Ollie Henry, I think he is going to build to be a lot a lot more physically imposing than, than, than Fridge. Like, I think he will be able to win sure. contested marks. And, um, you know, I think, I think he's got just that little bit more grit to be able to basically do what he's doing now and maybe occasionally take take number one or two forward like marks he's not going to put in number yep. one forward performances but i think he will he mm. i think he's just i think he's just a little bit more athletic a little bit more uh, um i agree there. Na- naturally naturally athletic and i think if you look at his brother i think it he it's likely that ollie will put some muscle on his frame over the next few years um and mm. probably get a get a bit um a bit uh, stronger body but no like as a as a third or fourth forward i think that was about perfect performance like i think yeah if you're third if you're third forwards taking that many marks having some disposals um and mm. kicking four goals and i think i'm assuming here um a couple of score involvements as well let me have a look yeah he had a direct he had one direct goal assist so you know he's really had a direct hand in five Goals yeah. for the cats with yeah. score himself and one set. Yeah, up. ten ten total score involvement. So that's yeah, like as, mm. as I said, that's about it's a bit like Gary Rowan, like not the same kind of role, but just like he obviously gets a more it's a role that gets more attention than Gary Rowan. But as far as he's not going to win votes a lot, but he is performing his his role consistently and at, at a capacity that I'm pretty happy with for. You know, even if he's playing this well, like to this degree, in his second year, you're still going, "Wow, that's great." 
<laughs> thank God, thank God, we got him. Like, yeah. Um. Yeah. What a, What a great first year for us. I'm just laughing here. Um. Um. Tom Stewart, twenty three disposals, seven hundred and four meters gained. So he was going at thirty point six meters gained per disposal, uh, and also going at ninety one point three disposal efficiency. Yeah, so which is what because I, I, I messaged you in the game and said ninety one percent disposal efficiency to be Tom Stewart, and it's not yeah. necessarily super high for him, but given mm. the role he was playing in that game, yeah, it's not it's not that's not ninety one percent efficiency as a full time back kicking you know chipping it round that's 91 yeah. with with you know at least half the game basically spent as a midfielder mm. yeah yeah no I, I think he's such a such a special player 94.7 percent by foot um he went which which i thought was you know impressive uh given he had 19 kicks 19 mm. kicks at 94 percent disposal of uh at, just kicking efficiency is what I'm trying to trying to get now, out was it, here. Was it, um, was it you and Johnny that yeah. called Ollie Henry to kick the most goals? Or was it just John? I, I think Johnny went it this week. I might have called him last week, I think, maybe against Frio. I know we'd both definitely been on. It was a very similar prediction sort of thing both weeks. Yeah. Um, Kind of yeah. thing of like well, as long we reckon as, I, well, as, long as someone in the group pulled it. I just I just interested to see yeah. how some of our predictions paid off, um, because I I was very close with uh, Brad Close laying eight tackles. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, what did he have? Set. He had one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, we had Look. Bruin. What do we have? Bruin and Atkins with seven each. Seven each. Yeah. Um, and Gary Rowan with five, speaking of Gary Rowan, like, um, yeah. I think he had the most tackles inside 50 for the game, I think. Sounds, uh, yes, um, yeah, no, he did, he had four, four inside 50 tackles, yep. Yeah, which is, um, again, speaking of playing your role and, you know, doing what you're there for, <laughs> he basically did that. All you'd really ask from him, again, is, is it maybe a, an extra, go- like, a, you know, couple of goals in there um did he kick one mm. he kicked one maybe or maybe he didn't even kick one at the end um yeah i think Not he actually sure. missed both times uh, oh that's right he missed and then he laid it off there's a couple of times where you would have would have thought he would go for the goal and he laid it mm. off but um it's sort of interesting patrick dangerfield shouted rowan out um after the game when they were asking him about like brian myers etc um and he Again, as he has done before, brought up Gary Rowan as the the unsung, the externally unsung hero of the club. And this is interesting to me because I wouldn't have necessarily read it this way. But he said Gary Rowan was the only full full time full forward for the game for the Cats. Hmm. That he he's his role Everyone was basic, basically out. yeah, and was just able. And when you think about it, it is true. Like Ollie Henry. Had some mm. minutes in the midfield, like he would come. You'd there'd be occasionally be an intercept mark or something down in the in the middle, and it was him. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Cameron sometimes was in the back. He took an intercept mark in in our yeah. fifty. <laughs> um, and so mm. yeah, apparently Gary, Gary Rowan's role was basically just to be in to draw as many players to him as he could in the fifty and just bring the ball to ground 
which again we talked about how many attempted screamers he has and that's basically yeah. his role i think is just to bring it to ground and hope that people can catch up and enter the 50 uh, and put the pressure on um before you know before it bounces out again so just interesting just interesting tactically the way that they've um really honed in on what some of these players including Gary Rowan can can do what they can't do so don't ask them that but what they can do and then basically craft a craft a tactic just around their strengths well and that's a perfect example you know of like you know finding out it's not just important what a player you can't only look at the negative side of the equation. Mm. You can't only look at go, well, you know, Grian's got a pretty unusual kicking motion. So, you know, we don't think he can really be like a 35 goal a year, Tyson Stengel type small forward. But what Grian Myers does have is like a stupidly good ability to sort of Stevie Johnson his way inside 50, not only see kicks maybe that other players can't even see, but, but actually the skill and, and the the kicking sort of angles to pull them off. Like, so you, you, you're trying to identify not only the weaknesses, but the strengths. And then how do we get this player to be able to operate, you know, in areas where they're able to maximize and use those strengths um, as often as possible. Just wanted to say to a, a player who maybe didn't play in an area basically outplayed uh, an area of his game that I, I wouldn't have thought he was well known for. Mitch Duncan leading not just the Cats, but the game for contested possessions. Mm. 13 contested possessions, six uncontested. Uh, he won four free kicks, including a chase down early yeah. on. Um, a chase down tackle. Someone tried to run away from him and he went after them. I was like super impressed with Mitch Duncan um, on the night and thought he played such a crucial role. Um, yeah, I yeah thought, I thought he, he, can, he can still move, really. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like he's not got top-end speed, but uh, you don't want to disrespect him either. Now, in the, in the top five of the team for, for tackles, he, um, uh, sorry, top. Oh yeah, no top five. He had four four tackles. Um, I think he took four or five marks as well. Um, yeah, and I thought I thought um, clearances. I thought a top heavy performance too. Like I thought he was someone that ran the game out really well. Which you know, again, talking about the um, the senior senior players and you know fitness levels and all that kind of stuff. It was mm-hmm. a lot of our senior players that really stood up and you know ran the game out really well. And I thought I thought he was one of them when when the game was on the line and you felt like we had momentum, but then a couple of times that momentum dipped and you've just, we've all we've all been there before where you feel like you're steamrolling and then it just takes a couple of brain fades or a bad decision um, from an umpire or something. Mm. And you can just feel it all slip away. I felt like you could see the, the alternate universes where that was happening. Um, but it, but it was often Mitch Duncan that would, would, would prevent it in our, in our universe, in our timeline. It was often him that you're like, yeah. God, that that pressure, that tackle, that that disposal under pressure. Um, yeah, I thought he was uh, absolutely crucial to that, to not only the win overall, but just to to getting us through that last ten minutes. Kicked the goal, hundred um, percent. Yes, 
Yes, I, I think yes, so. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah. And one thing I sort of want to touch on quickly before we get into votes, because we, we need to, well, we want to wrap this thing up within an hour sort of thing. Um, <laughs> Good luck. I, you were talking about, pr- pr- yeah, you were talking about pressure um, earlier. And, and then sort of we were saying that, you know, our tackle numbers were actually down. Um, and, and I want to clear up too, Port had 111 contested possessions in case anyone was going to say, they did have over 100. Yes, I'm aware. I just looked it up. 111. That's well below their average of 137.6. Um, but, you know, our, our pressure numbers were lower in terms of our tackles, you know, 15 below our season average. I think if you look at the um, pressure acts per player, Tom Atkins led the way with 35 for the game. Next closest was Zach Butters with 20. Dan Houston, 18. Brad Close, 18. But then there's four Port players. And you're probably looking at like seven of the top 10 players for pressure acts uh, were Port Adelaide players and maybe like a a fair chunk of the top 20 for pressure acts in the game were, were Port Adelaide players. But I thought the key difference, and it's why you can't ever only rely and analyze success or failure on, on the basis of, you know, quantity of a statistic. It's the efficiency of it. It's the effectiveness of it. I, I thought that when we pressured on the night, it was that cohesive, effective, disciplined, everyone knows their role kind of pressure. It, it wasn't mm. aimless. So yes, we might've been down on season averages, but in terms of the effectiveness, I, I felt like we were we were operating in a higher zone um, personally. Yeah, I agree. And I guess it also points to how important that those players, specifically Tom Atkins, do perform their role the way that, you know, yes. Ollie Henry is performing his role. Brian Myers is performing his role. Gary Rowan is performing his role. Um, we don't have just like half the team that's going to get six plus tackles. And we're just, you know, the, the entire lot of us are going to, you know, build a really good pressure rating across the board. We, we, especially through the midfield at the moment with the personnel we have, um, it's really, especially now that we've lost Blixarves as well. Like Blixarves is so handy off ball. Um, so without without mm. him, I think it's it's so important that Tom Atkins and and Tanner Bruin and to a lesser extent Dangerfield, but um, you know he maybe didn't quite get there with the, the mm. off ball numbers. But it's so important that Atkins keeps hitting those pressure numbers that he keeps performing that role because you know that's what he brings to the team. That's you know I really like his on ball stuff. I think he's improving in that area. Um, but even that isn't that helpful if he's not performing his his um, defensive role. So um, it just primary function. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it basically shows you the difference this game versus the last couple of games of Tom Atkins played the way we need him to play versus maybe didn't. <laughs> yeah, totally. And you look at his numbers. I put a, a thing up on Twitter. Like you know, he was. I I think against Port Adelaide back in round 14. It was probably one of his poorer games this season. Mm. And he really responded. You know, he was up in disposals. He was up in clearances. He was up in tackles. It, it, he just seemed like he had maybe, I don't, I don't know if this is true, 
you know, I, I'm just saying theoretically it felt like one that he might have bookmarked and gone, nah, didn't really maybe represent myself as well as I would have liked to have um, in mm. that game. And, and when I get the opportunity again, I feel like maybe the Brisbane game is going to be one that if we get a rematch with that team um, or when we get a rematch with that team, whether it's in 2023 or next year, I think there'll be a few players in that midfield who will have circled that one and gone, you know what, next time uh, yeah. we're actually, we're, we're going to, yeah, we feel like we can give a better account of ourselves. Um, let's get into some votes, Sambo. I reckon that's where we need to, to go it. next up. We'll have Johnny lead us off here. Um, he's sent his votes in by Carrier Pigeon. Um, you still got that Carrier Pigeon living in your front yard, Sam? Uh, we do. We do. Still there. It thinks it's one of the chooks. Just uh, hangs around and eats the chook seed uh, with, our, with our chooks. So it's been there. It's probably closing in on two weeks now. It's lived in our backyard. <laughs> Some, if someone out there's lost pigeon the Carrier Toby. Pigeon, it's, that, is, that is what we've called him, is Pigeon Toby. You are correct. <laughs> Cool. Although we also have we also have a uh, chicken called Pigeon Toby, so I think the pigeon should be called Chicken Toby. Ah, uh, <laughs> be perfect. Um, so Johnny has gone one vote uh, for Lionel Messi, uh, two votes for Ollie Henry, and three votes for Tom Stewart. Sambo, what way are you leaning on this one? Um, I've been leaning and swaying all weekend. Mm. Um, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I, I, there's two players I want to get in there, but I think I, I think I, I'm going to go one Perfect, vote to yeah. Tom Atkins. I think Atkins. Okay. We, we, we just spoke about it. I think he, he, he performed, mm-hmm. uh, the function he needed to perform. Um, I'm bummed that, Holmes couldn't be in the votes based on his first quarter. I thought he was going to have an absolute rip snorter, um, but it was it was. He's a got good... a breakout game coming up. Yeah, he still did a lot of good stuff, but it just wasn't quite a totally four quarter um, yeah. domination. Uh, I'm going to go my two to Tom Stewart, um, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go my three to uh, Messi because I mean Jesus Christ, like. I he's he's got three he's got <laughs> he's had three votes and best on yeah. grounds in other games. Now if, if people that gave him best on ground in other games don't give him best on ground in this game, I'd really like to see what those games were in retrospect because shit, I don't ever remember him looking this impressive, like an absolute just beast. He was cooking. Just yeah, just on fire. The only the only time he put a foot wrong was when he he just wanted a goal himself, another goal himself, and he went for a shot yeah. when he should have laid it off. But you know, far out. We can we can allow him a couple of those. I don't know if you watched. Oh, you didn't watch the post game on Seven because you're watching on um, Fox Footy or whatever. And um, he was interviewed, and was was good. He was he was quite funny. He talked about his kicking style. Talked about his favourite um, player, who I think they said was Jason Akermanis. He was a massive Brisbane Lions fan, so saying how cool wow. it is to be coached by Chris Scott um, and that and sort of thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. Break Acker's record, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah, funny. Yeah. He talked about how that kicking style developed being something to do with, you know, he was too small. You know, he didn't have enough leg power, so he sort of invented this way of kicking it as a youngster or something. It was something about kicking with a smaller ball or 
it was maybe when he moved up to kicking a bigger ball, he couldn't kick it normally, didn't have enough leg power or something. Can't remember, okay. but it was it was to do with his junior his junior footy days essentially. It stuck around, and he said he kicks on his left the exact same way as well. When they asked him, um, that goal, yeah. So I, I drawing it back, just pulled the string on it. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Back I've never, come. I've never, um, I've never seen a goal, a ball look like it was going out of bounds by about ten meters, but still been so sure it was it was going through. Gonna come back, go I was like, yeah, that looks about right for the amount of swing he's got. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. There's only a few players, I think. You know, everyone says, oh, he's reached into his bag of tricks or whatever. You know, about players. There's only a few players who I think really deserve it. One of them mm. being Stevie J, and I think Grian is in that territory now, where it's like he's got his he's got his goodie bag, he's got his bag of mm. tricks. And he just reaches in there. It's like, oh, which which wedging kick do I need here? Which slicing kick do I need here? I'll sell a bit of candy here. Such a fun player to watch. I am going one vote to uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the uh, the war horse of the team, Mitch Duncan. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the one. It was he, he. He's the one I wanted to get in there. I thought he might have been, and and so I had him. I had him pinned for a vote. Uh, pretty early on, and some of the ones you guys have given votes to are guys that I didn't manage to fit in mine. Um, so I, I feel like spread the wealth has been has been good, um, just organically. So yeah, Mitch Duncan gets the one vote for me. I thought he was super impressive. Uh, two votes I'm giving to Tom Stewart. He's just an absolute machine, and it's a privilege to watch him. It's amazing to think we get we got to go from watching Matthew Scarlett to watching Tom Stewart. Um, and my three votes are going to Lionel, Brian Myers, Messi. I think he was absolutely superb, and I'm very, very happy for him. It's like all of these players, as we said a few weeks ago, you get frustrated from time to time, and I know Myers has, has borne his fair share of frustration from the fan base at times, but he fits that category for me of like, the frustration does not come from a lot of us because you know he's a we think that he's a bad player who shouldn't be playing it's because you just go this guy seems like he has so much potential and i'm always happy for those players when they unlock it and they just get they get the love like not only is he having on the field success the Lionel messi meme stuff like he's just had this like what a season we're living in the winter of grind Myers. This is this is Grind's time. We're all just we're all just living in it. So um, that is the votes done. That's the free public part of the show done. We're going to duck now into the Patreon subscribers clubhouse to do our month in review. So if you want to hear that part of the show, go on over and subscribe to the Chaps Chat Cats on Patreon. It's three dollars fifty US per month. We'd love to see you over there. Um, Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Keep them coming. Um, And remember, tweet at us what you were listening to in the early 2000s. We'd love to hear. Uh, Until next time, go Cats! Go Cats!